0: they're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino's home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
1: I'm a little bit of everything
0: I'll roll into one
1: I'm a bitch, I'm a lover. A lot better when I can turn my own microphone on. <laughs> I don't like having depend- to depend on you for my microphone. I don't
0: know. I don't. I don't. I don't know what that's supposed to mean.
1: We we did the podcast in the other studio, no, and and I was able to turn my microphone on. And so if I wanted to talk before you allowed me to talk, I could.
0: Oh, I see. You have but control yeah. issues. I get what you're saying. I
1: do. Sometimes I do. Really? That's sad. Yeah, I do.
0: You don't seem like a, a controlling control person. No.
1: I'm pretty good about hiding it. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> a little bit. No, I'm not. I mean, I'm not, I don't have to have total control, but over certain things. Like what? Like my stuff.
0: <laughs> do you mean your stuff? No, they, like, I, would you say an example of your control is the fact that you and your husband have separate bathrooms, which I have now found yes. is a common marital practice.
1: Yes, which is awesome. It's a secret to a very good marriage. <laughs> totally separate bathrooms. Because the week that I had to share a bathroom with him, or the two weeks that I had to share a bathroom with him, because my mom was staying with us, almost killed him. Killed him? (laughs) Yes.
0: Because of your uh, rules or what? Yes.
1: Because I was this is my bathroom. Don't mess it up.
0: (laughs) Oh, he came. He was. He was in my bathroom. You had home field advantage. I had
1: home field advantage. But yeah, no. Over other stuff too. Like I, uh, I really want him to help me, you know, load and unload the dishwasher, but I don't like the way he does it. So. I have to have control over that. So, so I get mad at him for not doing it, but I don't like the way he does it.
0: All right. I'm going to sidetrack the conversation a little bit because this is a point of contention also in my marriage. Yes. In that when my wife and I first moved in together. Wait a minute.
1: Were... I've got to tell people it's the Producer Michelle podcast. They know. Yeah. And uh, it's episode 20. So I, you. okay, So when you're, you and your wife moved in.
0: My bad. We almost messed up Lisa's bath time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So anyway, when we moved in together, I she would didn't like the way I load a dishwasher because in her mind, it was not efficient. And I was still of the mindset that I am a dumb man who doesn't know anything, and I would just go, oh, okay. And then as I became... Uh, our homemaker, if you would, in our relationship, I started to notice that the way she loaded a dishwasher wasn't efficient in any way, shape, or form. All <laughs> she did was cram everything. It was like packing a box van more than it was washing dishes because she would pile things, <laughs> I'll thus I'll eliminate... Things. Yes! Prize.
1: Which, when you do that, not everything gets clean you all the You don't put a
0: smaller bowl and a larger right. bowl on top of it. Right. You're- all you're putting is a shield for soap and water to not get to. <laughs> exactly.
1: Exactly. No, I know the feeling cuz it's happened to me before too.
0: So which side of the, like cuz I also have this theory that everybody has every, we're all having the same marital fights mm-hmm. but everybody's just on different sides of the coin. Like right. you might be on my side on one fight but then you're on Natalie's oh, side on, on another. I'm on your
1: side on that one. On this one? Cuz Tim will just shove everything does, in the but, dishwasher. Does he
0: do the pre-rinse almost clean? No. Where do you come down on that one?
1: He what he'll do is he'll if when he loads the dishwasher, which is rare because of my controllingness, What he'll do is he'll load it, and then he'll shut it, but not do a pre-rinse. And then when you go to wash them, when you realize the dishes are dirty two days later, because mostly you're using paper plates, and Mm -hmm. then all of a sudden you're like, oh, there's a bunch of dishes in here? Oh, they're caked on, and everything's like cement. Oh,
0: because it dried too much. Yes. (laughs) Yes. See, we run it about almost every night, give Mm -hmm. or take, and this is how controlling I am and anal about this, is that we have a system of knowing when it's been run. Because I like to do a pre-rinse. I don't do a complete like clean it and then clean it right. again. But right. I don't like food particles being left at the bottom of the dishwasher right. and not being known that they're there. So yeah. if there's any solid waste other than like something that is a sauce or a breakdown that, that I don't worry about that. Right. But uh, so w- whenever you open the door uh-huh. and if the little cup that holds the soap is open, that obviously means it's been run. So once you empty the dishwasher, your first job. <laughs> always is to put a new little soap pot packet thing in there and close it. So, so there's
1: always one in there. So
0: when it's closed, when you see the soap thing is closed, that means dirty dishes load away.
1: Got it. You're see, welcome, that's very, America. Very smart.
0: You're welcome, world, even. This that's is the very smart. One. The
1: other thing that makes me crazy with him is I've, I've told him, you know, I've told you before, he goes through like four gallons of milk a week because he eats yes. a whole lot of cereal. Well, every single day this week, he's apparently had Cheerios before work because I'll come home and his. His dish will no. be in the sink on the other side, Timothy. but then there will be pieces of Cheerios in the sink that didn't get washed down into the garbage disposal, and they're stuck to the sink.
0: Timothy Martin Kelly.
1: <laughs> <Stephen>. uh,
0: whatever. <laughs> that was close.
1: But yeah, you no, know, and it drives me crazy, and, and that it's, it's so funny that that drives me nuts because my mom had the same complaint about my dad when he would have his cereal is he wouldn't, you know, he'd rinse his dish and stick it on the other side, but then he'd forget to rinse the sink and get everything See, down the drain.
0: And how is it that I have a penis and I'm the one who has to do that for my wife's? This isn't <laughs> what the life is supposed to be. I am supposed to be the dumb ophi man. Not that Tim is, but I'm saying I'm supposed to be the dumb ophi man who blunders through domestic issues, right? Not the guy who gets up at two o'clock in the morning, comes down to pour his cup of coffee and sees Fruit Loops. <laughs> Fruit Loops,
1: Q! <laughs> fruit Loops!
0: Not special K! Not, not even uh, honey bunches of oats. Uh, a, chi- a An adult cereal under a child's costume of taste. It's, fruit loops. it's fruit loops with marshmallows! 37 year old woman, Q, eats Fruit Loops with marshmallows. They are good, though. They're I like delicious. To eat them out of the box. When you're 10, that's when you have to stop.
1: Well, you have children, though, so they're there. And when they're there, they do not attractive. <laughs> They don't eat it! Yes, but you can buy it for them, quote unquote.
0: (laughs) That's not buying it for them. Anyway. (laughs) I'm sorry. I took us down the rabbit hole.
1: No, no, no. That's good. It's been a long. I mean, listen, we had the anniversary show. That's over. Thank God. We all had a really good time. I thought it was. uh, I'm glad that it's over. Yeah. It was stressful, but it was a lot of fun. It was great. It was was a fantastic show. It was your first one, and you were a big hit with the crowd. Oh, thank you! Very that kind. was uh, really awesome. Justin did his uh, part of his stand-up bit, among other things.
0: <laughs> I screamed at 600 people plus about cereal. <laughs>
1: Kids pooping in diapers. That's true. All yeah. all over. It was really funny. It, w- it was really good. Everybody had a, everybody was like, God, that Justin, he's funny. Like, yeah, of course.
0: If you want to, you can partake on iTunes uh, or go to justincomedy.com and you can uh, buy my, uh, what is it? That is, I Love My Kids, I Swear. <laughs> I that swear. is that album.
1: That's when you're like the album where you're like kind of tied up. On I'm the tied pipe.
0: up and then they have <laughs> squirt guns to my head.
1: Yeah, That was awesome. Um, so, yes, yeah, so the anniversary show's over, so that's kind of a stress that, that's been over. I've had a tough week with, with one of my dogs, Buffy. She's yeah. the oldest one. Have been a really, really tough week. She's been doing really well. She's 17 years old, for those of you who don't know, and she's just, she's supposed to be about 15 pounds, and she weighs about 10 pounds. She's a, like, poodle, terrier mix. So she's naturally kind of a skinny dog anyway.
0: For but, long-time listeners, she's the one that you feed with chopsticks yes, or on a paper plate. Or so. spaghetti. yes. And
1: yeah, <laughs> she's just been having I mean, obviously, she's getting older, she's having a little trouble walking. She had a seizure a couple weeks ago, which was scary, because it was the first time that she's ever had a seizure. It didn't last very long. But and she seemed to come out of it just fine. Uh, but since then, I've noticed a decline in her. She's, you know, having a harder time walking. She's really not interested in a lot of food. I'm, every once in a while, she'll eat really well, but then she won't. It's It's been just kind of an up and down thing. And earlier this week, um, she had several small seizures. I think they were seizures in one day, where she'd be walking, and then all of a sudden she'd get really stiff, and then she'd start shaking. And then I would, I would pick her up and hold her, and she'd be kind of jerking, but then she'd stop, and then she'd be fine. And it was, I think it was Tuesday or when I think it was Wednesday, when uh, in the afternoon there were just a couple. It kept happening in the afternoon and I didn't want to keep rushing her to the vet because the vet had said she's probably going to have more of these seizures and there's really not much we can do about it. They can't put her on anti-seizure medication because it'll affect her in other ways. Her kidneys are already bad. She has a cancerous tumor in her bladder um, that hasn't gotten any bigger. It hasn't gotten any worse, but it's not going to get any better. And so I don't want to rush her to the vet every single time something happens because I know it's only, it stresses her out more sometimes to go to the vet. So she had a few of these seizures in one day and I was just beside myself and I kept calling Tim downstairs saying, you know, I don't know what to do. And I just had this feeling that it was, that it was that time. My gut was just saying, we have to do something. We have to do something.
0: And because out of our, curiosity, have you had this feeling before with the dog? Or
1: I've had the feeling that the end was coming, but the uh, the other day was the very first time that I really thought,
0: You're like, here it is.
1: It's yeah. I, I I don't want to see her go through this anymore. Yeah. You know, I don't feel like she's enjoying life. Right. So, um, you know, I was trying. I was weighing my options that day, and and you know, talking to my sister in law and my husband, and we were just kind of she was just kind of laying in bed, and it was really weird because the other two dogs were be Acting really, really odd too, like they were just. Usually, Princess will go anytime I show Buffy attention. She'll, you know, kind of come after or like bark or, and she was so quiet, just sitting there watching me pet her. And it looked like I. It looked like she was crying. Like mm. it was just like the ear, the eyes were all watery and stuff. And uh, Roxy, who has been with Buffy for the last seventeen years, they've been together, was just wanting to lay next to her and just you know kind of protective of her, and. So I really kind of thought it was it, and I was looking into my options, and I really don't want to take her to a vet to put her down. I know that that, that's an option, but I was looking for people who come to your house. And so I was researching a few vets, and I found one local in Pasadena that got rave reviews from hundreds of people on Yelp for what she does. And this is the only thing she does now. She used to have a vet practice, and uh, she only does these in-home euthanasias now because she is so – intent on making the dog as comfortable as possible. And so I called her to talk to her about options and and uh you know, she said really you won't you know when you know. Like there's no I can't tell you when to do it. Only you if you've been caring for her and you see her all the time, only you know when the time is right. So I didn't yet make the decision to do it because what happened after Wednesday is, you know, we kind of confined Buffy that night into like a a pen at night so she wouldn't be walking around because I was worried about her falling and stuff. But the next day, she seemed a little bit better. I mean, she was a little more peppy. She ate. She, you know, was alert. So everything seems okay. But I have this doctor now on call, basically, who can just come to my house and whenever I'm ready to do it. Uh, because they always say it's better to do it, you know, an hour, a little early yeah. than an hour too late. You know, and so I I just keep hoping in my mind. I can tell my husband every every day I wake up, I sort of hope that she's gone in her sleep. Yeah. Because for me, that would be the perfect way. But I don't know if it's going to happen that way. And it's just, it's so hard. I mean, it's just, you've been through it.
0: Is she the first dog that you've had, you know, would she be the first to pass away under your care?
1: Under, Under my direct care, yes. Well, I had a cat that passed away but not really under my care. I had rushed her to the vet, and then she, after I left the vet, she died at the vet. Um, it, it would be the very first one because my first dog, Machin, when I was a kid, the German shepherd, my mom basically took the dog. She's like, okay, we, I got to take her to the vet, and she never came home. she was old home. at the time. Yeah, yeah she was 16, and, and she was having a hard time walking. And did your mom
0: – I, I think you told this story, but did your mom know – that that was happening or was it My like mom a-
1: knew she was going to do it. She just didn't want us to right. know. And you didn't that's know until the she fact came that back. I didn't yeah. know until she came back without her. And then my dog Amber died in a very traumatic way um, at home, like before we got her to the vet. I mean, she just had this seizure and died. So it's the first time I have to do it myself if I make the decision. And that's why I keep hoping maybe she'll just die in her sleep. Maybe she'll die in her sleep because I just don't... It's odd to me to schedule a time... Even though I know people do it all the time and yeah. they do but it is great weird. last days, but it just feels weird.
0: It's a. Di- it, I I did a lot of reading uh, online because when Rocky, like one day he just was, he was his usual self and then boom.
1: Right. It happens quick. He
0: wants, to, I want outside. Right. I'm not coming inside. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could see that he was just mopey, didn't want to eat, didn't really want to drink. Right. And I was kind of in my naivete thinking it's going to be quick. Right. And then it took like a day or yeah. two before it finally happened. and. Uh-huh. I, and it's that kind of thing. I think it all worked out okay. Right. In retrospect, I think I would have... As soon as I saw that, I wish I would have... Right. ...even had the idea to look of having somebody come and just take yeah. a look. Because it's a weird thing because you're... It's like pulling the plug, but there right. is no respiratory, you know, or respirator. Right. And
1: I don't want to be... I don't want her to be alone. I don't yeah. want... You know, so I want to have a little control over that moment, you know, because she's been with us for so long and, and she trusts me, obviously. So I want... Have control over that moment, yeah. And it's just so hard when you just have that back and forth of whether you should do it or not. I have a friend who lives in uh, who lives in Kansas who had a really old golden retriever, and they live on this big farm, lots of property and stuff. And it's happened to her twice when you know the dog. One day she let the dog out to go to the bathroom, and the dog never came home. And she believes she's like kind of a farm girl. She just believes, hey, you know, when they're ready to go, they kind of wander away to be alone. That's what they do in the wild. They like leave the pack and go somewhere, and then they pass away. So, yeah, I'm just having a really hard time (laughs) this week. uh, Just you know, with her, I just it's just it's sad. Like I know it's going to happen. It just no matter how much you're prepared for. But it's a
0: thing. It's it's a weird thing where it's like you want it to happen quick, not only for her sake, but also for yours on some level. I'm sure, very small level. Sure. But at the same time, it's not something that you feel comfortable make. Like you don't want to make it happen quick. Right. Exactly. That makes sense.
1: What do you want, Bender? Nothing. I just wanted to say you guys have a great weekend. I enjoy the <laughs> podcast every time you post it. Thank you, Bender.
0: Through
1: KFIAM640.com. We're producer Michelle. I seriously
0: love
1: you guys. <laughs> we love Aaron you too, Bender. Aaron Bender. Have a great Friday. Have, have a great Friday, Friday Bender. Bender. <laughs> oh, that was sweet. He's, He's good people. He's good people. So anyway, I want to talk to uh, a little bit about um, 9-11. This is going to get a little depressing. I promise at the end of the show we'll, we'll uh, cheer oh, it up we? a little bit. Because we have some good news at the end of the show. But... I really want to talk about this because um, the 15th anniversary of 9/11 is this Sunday, and every year I post on my um, my blog, uh, you know, about 9/11, and for a few reasons. One, I'm from New York, and so I, I I was supremely affected by 9/11, not just by being a New York native, but by knowing a lot of people who were, you know, affected that day, and people who lived and worked in the city, family and friends that. You know, my brother-in-law, we couldn't get a hold of for almost 15 hours that day, and so, and he worked in the city, so it was a very scary situation. Um, But also because what happens sometimes is, you know, I I remember all of the people who died that day. What I do on 9/11, and it might be weird to people, is I wherever I am, I try to either read through or listen to the names of everybody who died, just because for me, it's it's you know, it's a moment to take and. And just remember everything we lost on that day, but I came back from New York in 2001 on September 10th, 2001. I flew back from JFK into LA, and I was in New York for like two weeks visiting my family. And I happened to be in the city that that week prior to coming back. And I went to the World Trade Center, and I didn't think anything of it. Obviously, you know, right, you just yeah, go and you no just. Sort. I hadn't been to the Twin Towers since I was a kid, so I thought, well, let me just go. It'd be kind of cool to take a day in the city, so I did. And I flew back on uh, September 10th, 2001, and I flew back uh, that night. And the next day, Tim woke me up um, to say, "Hey, you got to see what's going on." And that's when I already woke up. The plane had already hit the first tower, and people didn't know really what was going on at first. And a few a few weeks later, I realized that um, some family. People who were friends with my mom for a really, really long time lost two of their sons that day. Um, The Vigiano family. My mom has known Jan Vigiano, the mom, for as long as I can remember, since I was in elementary school. If I remember correctly, they both worked at my elementary school. And so my mom has known her since then. So more than 40 years she's known her, you know, 35 years. And um, she had two sons. Her and her husband, John, had two sons, john uh, jr and joseph and uh, john was a firefighter he was 34 years old and joseph was a police officer Uh, he was a detective he was 36 years old and um, they both were first responders on that day and the day that when when everything happened they were the first to respond to the twin towers and they went into the towers to try to evacuate people and they were in the towers when the towers came down and unfortunately they were not able to recover the body of um uh john who was the oldest he was the firefighter but eventually the body of joseph was recovered um and returned to the family for proper burial you know there was a lot of people who never there were never any remains found or anything like that and my mom when my mom told me that that the 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 Vigiano brothers had died. It, it. I don't remember them because I was really young. They were four, five, and seven years older than I was. Um, I remember Jan Vigiano. I know I remember their mom, but I don't remember them so much just because we weren't close. You know that close in age. But when you hear a name that you know, it hits. It hits you really hard. It for some reason it just gives you an, an even closer perspective of of what somebody cl- you know that you know lost. And so. Uh, John and Jan, the parents, lost their only two children that day. So John and Joseph were their only two sons. They lost them both on the same day. And both of the boys left behind uh, wives and children. And it's heartbreaking to hear that and knowing that, you know, that they've they had to live through burying their sons and having to move on past that. And and they've done an amazing job over the years. They started a scholarship fund for other kids Uh, and families who were affected uh, by 9-11 in their son's names. And it's every year I post and talk about them just because of that connection that I know my family has this year is actually, there's, there's a little glimmer of, of, of positive that comes, that comes out of this is that Joseph Vigiano Jr. He was eight years old when his father and his uncle died on 9-11, just eight years old. And, 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 the one thing that I remember the most is that when his when his dad's funeral came, he gave the eulogy at his dad's funeral. And I can't imagine. I gave the eulogy at my dad's funeral to you know a couple of years ago and I was in my 40s and it was so hard for me to do it then. I can't imagine an 8-year-old doing it. And he obviously like most 8-year-olds and your son is how old?
0: He just turned 8.
1: He just turned 8. So like most eight-year-olds, they look up to their dads, and their dads are their heroes. So I can't imagine one losing your dad at that young of an age and knowing how big of an influence he was on your life. And he said, you know, at eight years old, he wanted to be a police officer just like his dad. And here it is 15 years later. He's 23 years old right now. And last July, or just this past July, he just took the oath to become, to enter the new the NYPD – um, the, uh, the police academy. And prior to that, he joined the Marines. And so he, he's, been, he's a Marine reservist. Now he's going to be a police officer just like his dad. And he said in an interview recently, and I have this information up on my page at KFIM640.com, keyword producer Michelle, he said that his decision to become a police officer never wavered after 9-11. In fact, 9-11 made it stronger. He was more determined than ever to become a police officer because of his dad and i saw that story and it gave me such a you know just a positive you know uh, outlook on such a tragic event and there and, and his grandparents the, the parents of the vigiano brothers uh, jan and john said that while they're really proud of him they're terrified for him but what's really interesting is they're more terrified for him as a police officer because of the climate of what's going on with police officers right yeah, now than they are for terrorism. him being a marine yeah, yeah, it's not so. They're, so not as terrified about terrorism. They're just terrified in general about him being a police officer. But to see this kid speak now at 23 years old about what it was like to lose his dad at eight, and now he's following in his dad's footsteps—such a moving thing to see, and such a positive thing to see. And I'm so—I'm really, really proud of him, even though I don't know him because I never met him. You know, I only knew the—you know—his parents. It's just. It was just one of those things I saw this year that that I thought made 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 something a little bit better than normal than just you know reflecting on everybody we lost. And the Vigiano brothers, it was interesting too. If you've ever if you haven't ever seen it, there's a there's a short documentary film called Twin Towers, uh, it came out in 2003 or 2004, I think, and it won a uh, an Oscar for best documentary short, and I think it's about 45 minutes long, maybe not even, but the the documentary is about the officers of the NYPD emergency service unit, which is the unit that Joseph Vigiana was a part of. And they were the one of the like really literally first people on the scene that day for nine 11. And so it's eerie to see this, this uh, this documentary because this documentary crew had been following them. And so it had followed them before nine 11 happened and they happened to be there when nine 11 happened. So there are images of the, the brothers on 9-11 rushing to go to ground zero or whatnot and so the documentary film caught some of that too and then to know that neither of them made it out but it's an amazing documentary if you get a chance watch it because it is uh it's absolutely incredible but just to see the story about how these parents who lost both of their sons on 9-11 are now looking at one of their grandsons becoming an NYPD officer it's just a yeah, it, it,
0: it's to me, it's a it's an awesome story. And then also it's interesting to see that. I mean, it's easy for me to be a straight white guy and, and look at things through this lens. But it almost like you pointed out, they were more they're more worried about their grandson being a cop
1: yeah. given
0: today's climate than they were him, you know, fighting terrorism as a Marine. Right. And terrorists on their home court. Right. And to see that what seems like when you compare it to 9-11, it seems like culturally We've we've actually taken a couple steps backward. Yeah. Maybe that was always an issue. I don't know. Right. Because I, I again, I'm straight white guy. What the hell do I? I don't have any perspective on it, to be frank. Right. But it is.
1: Uh, Isn't that an incredible story though? I mean, great. I remember, like I saw, and it gave me, like I saw the story about uh, Joseph Jr. and and I just thought, oh, like and my heart just swelled, like with, like you get upset, but you're kind of, you know, proud too, because you're like, wow, what a kid, like what, yeah. I, what a kid to take that moment that easily could have sent you on a path of of craziness in your life because you lost your dad and you know you lost your uncle and and he just used it as a you know as a as a focal point for doing exactly what he wanted to do which was be just like his dad
0: you spend a little bit of time as a dad thinking about what's going to happen to your kids if something unfortunate happened to you yeah it pops into your head every now and then i can't imagine how many times it pops in when you're a cop or a firefighter. Oh
1: yeah! Every time you leave the house, probably. Exactly.
0: Like I don't. But what I think is really great about this story too is that he was such a great dad. He still had that big of an influence, even yeah. though he was only in touch with him for eight years. Yeah, really, it's, really good.
1: It's it's an they're an amazing family. The Vigianos are, and you know, long after I think I think both um, uh, women who were widowed that day eventually did remarry. I think they're they are remarried at this point but you you figure between the two of them i mean uh john had uh two daughters and um and joseph had three sons so there there were five kids that that day it, you know it's it's yeah. it's so hard to think about but just to see it, you know one of them you know the oldest one who you know was just 8 at the time now following in his dad's footsteps was really positive uh, to see and they're just you know, a, a nice Italian family, and they're strong Italian family, and they have strong roots, and they all just can't kind of came together to just keep moving. I don't know how you keep moving when something like that happens. I really don't. Me neither. And it's just, yeah, it could be really, really crippling. So anyway, t- you can find out more about the Vigiano brothers and the the um, documentary Twin Towers on my page at KFIAM six forty com. Keyword producer Michelle. So make sure you check it out because it's just they're uh, really you know, a uh, moving story about these guys and, uh, you know, just just two of dozens of first responders that were lost that day because they were trying to help people out of the towers. Just heartbreaking. So now that I've de- thoroughly depressed everybody, <laughs> I have Buckle to. Buckle up for whiplash, listeners. Yes, no, I have to end this on a really positive note, and it was such a positive note this week because – on the Ellen show this week, she premiered yeah! <laughs> she premiered her new show with Channing Tatum who was there to promote what? Magic Mike Live.
0: Oh, Michelle Q. Yeah! <laughs>
1: it is coming to Las Vegas. It is yeah! <laughs> It's going to be at the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino at Club Domina. And it is going to start March 2017. March 30th, 2017. And guess what? What? I have tickets for the very first night. Yeah. (laughs) The first show on the first night. Yes. I was able to find two tickets. They're not together. They're separate. So they're a couple rows apart. But and the reason why I can't find tickets, couldn't find tickets, is because Ellen is sending her entire audience that from that day. Bitch. Sh- she's she's paying for like a three day, two night stay. Yeah, in they're Vegas. staying at the casino and everything. Yeah, and they're going to the show. But what's great about <laughs> tickets started at like forty nine bucks. Like you know, they go up from there. But you can also add on like forty dollars to get like this VIP with the dancers. And I'm going the first night because, one, I'm going to report on it the next day on Handel's show. <laughs> so I'm taking the day off. I'm preparing in advance yeah, to take the day off. I'm going to try to see if my mom will go.
0: That's awesome.
1: Because she likes Channing Tatum, too. Oh! Yeah, she likes Channing Tatum. I did Channing not know Tatum. that part. Yeah, she saw Magic Mike. Did you chip Mike. off the old block. Yeah, I think she went to go see Magic Mike XXL in the theater the day it came out.
0: <laughs> like, solo? She's like, I'm going to the no, theater. No, she went with a
1: friend. Okay. <laughs> not that, a friend.
0: Listen, not that there's anything wrong. I I would imagine that if you're going to go watch a, <laughs> a bunch of guys in their 20s gyrate in a sexy manner, eh, you don't want to share that with somebody, man. But, but I'm going. Maybe that's a guy in me.
1: I'm going because I'm hoping that Channing Tatum will be there that opening weekend. I'm assuming he will be. I mean, it's his show. He helped choreograph the show. He helped create the show. He didn't just say, "Hey, somebody just put together a Magic Mike show." He has been really he's, firsthand in, in helping create it, especially in choreographing it, because he's such a good dancer.
0: And I'm petrified because the last thing I want to do is such. I'm so happy for you that, but I'm. <laughs> I, I, well, I, wait
1: a minute. I'm only going for one reason. Why? I I,
0: I did, well, I don't want to set you up for disappointment. <laughs> but the like these tickets were slightly more, right. and if they, it's gotta be because. He's got to be there. I hope so. And normally you could get, like, you could throw down a little extra and get, like, a VIP experience, which is like a photo you said right. or it's something like, a like that. a photo with
1: some of the dancers.
0: Oh, my God. The money that those people are going to rake in. And good for it Because oh. is it still on your page, the video of them on Ellen kind yes. of announcing this? Yeah.
1: And what was great, the way they did it on Ellen, was first, you know, Channing is doing yeah. an interview with Ellen, and they're talking about Magic Mike Live. And then he says, hey, you want to see an example? And he brings out one of the dancers, and he picks a woman out from the audience, and and they sit her down and they do one of those you know kind of chair dances yeah. with her and then it gets to the point where Ellen's like wait 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 can't show that on TV you got to stop we got to stop so then they stop and everybody's all happy and stuff and then they sit back down and then Channing goes will do you one more and then all of a sudden the pony music starts yeah and the, there are guys sitting in the audience <laughs> that start dancing and the and the reaction of the ladies is just hilarious. What's
0: eight pack abs times 20? There's I, like 400 abs. I think <laughs> he we're said, there.
1: I think he counted them. I think he said there's like uh, <laughs> 72 abs on this
0: thing. But the, the, they do, and then so they all just like come out and they're like, look at us, we're hot. Right. But then here's the thing that I think is literally going to make magic for this Magic Mike thing as a straight guy. They all come together and they do like a, a synchronized right. dance number, which is amazing. That is
1: fucking incredible. Yeah, it's amazing. oh my gosh, they're so good. Listen, I've seen Chip I've seen Thunder from Down Under, and those oh, really? play. Those are fine. They're <laughs> they're, they're fine? good, but they're nothing <clears throat> like these guys. Like these guys are very talented dancers. And somebody tweeted me and said, "Oh yeah, and they're probably all gay." I said, "They're probably some who of cares? them are gay, but who cares? They're yeah, sexy and they right? can dance, which is it, which cares? is really 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 nice." And it was so funny because at, at one point during the video, you see Ellen's mom standing over the side of the stage and she's watching these guys and her, her face is just like, Oh
0: good, yeah. goodness! You get to see it like there's a shot of just her watching, and then there's a <laughs> then there's a second shot where she goes, "Oh my!" Yeah. and it's always a thing I think about how we unfairly desexualize, uh, you know, older people, right? Because there's a 22 year old person that's in there that has to. I'm some level, I guess. I don't know. I haven't been old yet, but uh, I she she's, she's got to be like, "Look at these boys!" Yeah,
1: it it is awesome. It's going to be awesome, and I think it's going to be awesome because Channing Tatum said he did this because. He heard from his female friends that these uh, all male reviews, you know, the Chippendales and the like, they weren't that great. They were like, no, they're good, but and so he wanted to give people the experience. If you watch Magic Mike, yeah, it is an experience to watch.
0: What he's done is he's, I think, I don't, again, I haven't seen a lot of male strippers myself, but I think the emphasis in the past has been. Here's a guy who's really good looking and can dance. Right. Right. Because the bar is set pretty low for dudes. Right. If you're good looking and you can do a step together, touch, step together, touch and snap your fingers at the same time. No chick is going to care. Trust right. me. I'm as fugly as I am. And my wife is on board and she's hot. Not right. Fugly. But uh, here's the thing. Very. You you know what I'm saying? though. you no, can see lots of saying. guys that are, you know, they outkick their coverage, as I say but these guys are not only like model attractive right. and in impeccable shape, and in <laughs> not in like a like a marathon runner shape or bodybuilder, like right. in that perfect kind of sweet spot, right? Right. And they could ah, move like yeah, the Dickens, man, so, like and, the Dickens I just said, like what the hell's the and matter Channing
1: with them? Tatum him, himself is an amazing dancer. Like he, it really is a very and. and the thing that makes him so different from everybody else is he just doesn't take himself too seriously. So he doesn't walk around like, oh, I am so hot. I'm Channing Tatum. Like, he he's not afraid to dress like a woman. He's yeah. not afraid to, to poke fun at himself. And- See, if
0: I was him, I, I know that I came down pretty hard on him when we first started this Channing Tatum talk. Because I said it's really easy when you look like him. Right. Everything you do is charming or everything. But... You pointing that out made me realize if I look like him, I would be doing nothing but reminding everyone right,
1: constantly. exactly. I would constantly
0: be telling people, do you know how attractive right. I am? Have you noticed how attractive I am? I'm very attractive, by the way. And
1: the rumor has Sexiest been- Sexiest man alive. I don't know if you've ever said. <laughs> the rumor has been that he might perform on that first weekend. And he is. He said before, no, no, I'm not going to perform. You know, I'm not in shape. I, I got in shape for the movie. I mean, <sighs> when he's not in shape, he's still in shape. I mean, yeah. Come on. He's still hot. But- to, be, to perform like that, you have to be in a particular... But if he's going to stand mindset. next to these
0: dudes, though... Yeah,
1: he and he knows it. And yeah. he knows he can look that way. I mean, he did it for Magic Mike. He did right. it for Magic Mike too. It's not like he can't do it. He does it for any kind of movie role. But it's... Yeah, it, it, it's going to be so much fun. I cannot wait to go. I cannot wait to report and give a review. I will not allow my journalistic integrity That's to be lie. clouded by the fact there's hot men dancing in my face. Liars. <laughs>
0: The bull face I lie. will do
1: my best to remain objective.
0: You're getting closer. <laughs> <laughs> You're already objective now.
1: But if Channing Tatum comes anywhere near me, I'm gonna be I'm gonna totally lose it. Yeah, and totally totally lose.
0: Oh, it. I'm so excited.
1: Uh, I'm very very excited, and uh, and I'm only going because you paid for the tickets. <laughs> <laughs> Justin hands me his card. He goes, do it, pay for the tickets. I, uh, I'm like, I'll pay you back. And it's, no, pay for the tickets right
0: now. No. Well, here's the thing. I, I felt bad because the way that it kind of came out, I had to go in and start the show, and so I was like, Hey, I'm sorry I have to do this, but just put them on this card because <laughs> I listen. You've done a lot for. Me and it was, well, it's very uh, sweet of you. Thank I think you. it would, a lot of people, listen. Not that I don't appreciate it. Now I'm going to sound like an asshole, but we don't have to waste the people's time with me yeah. basically kissing your ass.
1: But once I go see it, then what we're planning is that we're yes. all going to go see it.
0: Group trip. Group and I'm way more excited about that than us. I should be. I really just <laughs> want to see my wife in that environment. I know that sounds really creepy and weird. <laughs>
1: so we'll get you and your wife, yeah. me and my husband, yep. Jennifer and her husband, it's gonna be great. and Bender and his wife. And, we'll and I will be the easily the day. guy
0: who's the most into it out of everybody there, I he guarantee be you. the
1: most entertained. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway. I'll be right there next to you. Yeah!
0: <laughs>
1: so, oh, and they dance to Pony on Ellen.
0: Yes, yes they yes. do. They
1: yeah! yeah! I I love that movie. I love it. And you gonna I, go home and watch it tonight? I'm gonna go home and try to find it on one of the stations tonight. If it's how do you Spanish? not own it? I don't I don't ha- own it on DVD because you could get it anywhere you can you know you can get it on on demand or whatever. I just never bought the DVD for All myself. Right.
0: Guess what I'm getting you tomorrow? <laughs> it's for
1: Christmas. Somebody's present. getting the Blu-ray. Um, but yeah, so I just I love and I don't know why the, it's such a dopey movie, which is a dopey well, present. Yeah, but it's just just to know that it was a little bit you know inspired by the fact that he was a, a Yes, It's a dancer. true story. It's A true story, which, and it's an interesting, an story. embellished true story. Yes.
0: Uh, but I also think it's it's kind of like Fifty Shades of Grey, but even more for yeah. chicks, I would imagine. And I
1: just love watching it I feel like Fifty Shades language. of Grey,
0: the movie, is more for dudes than it is for chicks. Probably. That's my opinion.
1: And I just like watching it in any language.
0: Yes, I know. That's my favorite part. It's just- Ooh, it's if better. I could buy you a Spanish Blu-ray.
1: And you told me the other day that your wife hasn't seen it yet, and yeah. she's got to watch it. You've seen more Magic Mike than that. your wife. Thanks for telling
0: the listeners that cute.
1: <laughs> you have. I
0: thought you and tickets. And see,
1: you agree with me.
0: I do, well, it's, it's one of the frustrating things about my marriage is everything shakes <laughs> out where I'm the chick, and I'm talking to you, and I realize how much fun I think Natalie would have because she dances. like right. She used to do hip-hop and stuff when she was younger, and, and she still likes She choreographs things in her head and blah, blah, blah. But So she would really enjoy the dance. And of course, the hard bods. Right. I'm sure, but so. But then I realized that. But she hasn't even seen the movie. Well, here's
1: here's the difference between men and women. I think, and this is why I think the you know Chippendales and and all of those, especially this Magic Mike thing, is going to be very different from like any strip club. Is I'm going to say this, and it's going to be so. Women are smarter in a way because we go into it knowing that these guys aren't into us. That's
0: the podcast. Oh,
1: yeah, the, these guys aren't into us, and so we can go in and enjoy the experience. I've had friends, guy friends, who in college – I had one guy friend in particular who would go to the strip club twice a week. He would unload hundreds of dollars on this one stripper because he was convinced the stripper liked him. And I said, that's that's how she does what she does. They don't like you. They make you think – see, women go into it knowing – these guys, are, they're not going to come home with us. They don't no. like us. It's not
0: that. Here's the so thing. I think we're smarter. 99.9% of the women there could get those guys to come home with them. I'm, I'm very that. And that's the difference in the dynamic. Now, for guys, because I've seen in the other side of the coin, one of the few times I've been to a strip club at all was a guy who literally just had fun dancing with a girl that gave him a lap dance, mm-hmm. but like dancing like they were in a club right. and she's buck naked right. and he got two free lap dances in addition to that because he wasn't there <laughs> trying to get a to get to second base right. for $37. You know what I mean? Yeah, He's no, just having it. a good time and they like that and he could have easily had a three-way with them if he wanted to.
1: Maybe I just know I knew more stupid guys. <laughs> Probably didn't know. I don't know, know what guys you know. Guys. I didn't know what guys you yeah, knew. Yeah, they were all pretty dumb. Anyway <laughs> So yeah, March March thirtieth, uh 7.30 PM. I will be there. Boom. Ready to go. So you can uh follow you can see that video at KFIM640.com keyword producer Michelle. You can listen to you can see all the information about the Vigiano brothers as well. Um follow me on Twitter at ProdMichelle. follow Princess on Instagram at pgkthechi. Justin's got the dad podcast. Yep. What, what episode was I talking to you about this week?
0: Uh, the uh, ugly old duckling, I think is what I yes, called it. It's, I have to listen to that. It's basically how people have started to randomly point out how unattractive and old I look.
1: But you're not. That's what I don't understand.
0: I don't care. It's just funny that...
1: You're adorable.
0: I don't... No, I'm not. Yes, I'm not you a, are. You listen, are. Listen, all right. Come on. Let's uh, okay. let's wrap it up. Who's smart? Who's kind? <laughs>
1: <laughs> and you can follow Justin. So go to the dadpodcast.com and Please. you can go uh, follow Justin on on Twitter at KFI Justin, and of course, I just want you to remember. You are smart. smart. You are kind. You is important. Is important. And that's for Channing. <laughs> He's smart and kind and hot and important. See you next week.